international break is just about over, and that means Inter-Miami games are about to come back. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest episode of Miami Total Football Radio. I know you've missed that. I am Franco Penizo, and joining me as he does on every podcast, I was going to say every week, but we've been gone for two weeks, but he joins me on every podcast, and that is El Primo, Steve Brenner. Steve, how are you? How have your two weeks been? Did you decompress? Did you take in some some Euro action? What have you done for the last two weeks? Yeah, how's, how's it going? Good to be back. No, I'm just lying in a dark room for two weeks, just praying that Robbie Robinson's going to be okay. Um, and then watching some Euros in the meantime. Yeah, no, been, I think, like you said, the, 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 the break came at a good time. I think everyone just time to take a breather, take everything in, take in bad form, massive fines, transfer money being taken away and Lionel Messi coming. And then um, maybe we can then restock, reevaluate and we go again as well as watching the Euros, which is, yeah, it's been it's been decent. And England are still going strong. So there you go. Are they taking it home? Is that is that happening? I don't know. It always ends in tears of England. If anyone doesn't know, England have won one major t- tournament in 1966. Uh, my Brazilian friend likes to call it 1066, which is reminiscent of the Battle of Hastings, uh, which is a very famous war in uh, English history. Um, but we have won one trophy. And American fans say we haven't won anything, but for a country like England, we should be winning more than one trophy. Well, so is that a yes that you guys are? Are you optimistic? Like I don't. I, you just gave me a yes and no answer because you should be winning, but you're not winning, and you don't expect to win. I'm I'm optimistic, but I've always I'm always optimistic about England, and then it always ends in tears with someone missing a penalty or someone crying or something else horrible happening. So, with the best we've got, the best team we've had for years, but there's other good teams as well. I think France look pretty pretty strong. Their their squad uh, is. Really, really, really strong compared to England's. Uh, and I mean, not compared to England's, but it's very, very strong. And I think they're the favourites. But after that, you never know. We've got some. Uh, we've got some. We've got some ballers. Listen, we can talk about England's underwhelming performances in tournaments, or maybe the fact that they're overrated during maybe the final thoughts part of the show, because most people want to talk about Inter Miami. So let's let's go from there, because you did touch on a number of the topics we will touch on in this week's pod, including. The latest on Robbie Robinson, Rodolfo Pizarro, the Lionel Messi rumors that popped up over the break, and a recap of this past weekend's closed-door scrimmage against Toronto FC in Orlando. And as always, if you're listening, please give us a follow on all our social media channels. That's at MIA Total Football on Instagram and Twitter, and at Miami Total Football on YouTube and Facebook. If you also can, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. Steve, it's time to get back to it, so let's get to it. All right, Steve, so Inter-Miami has a game against DC United coming up. We will talk about that, obviously. But before we do that, let's touch on this past weekend's game. It was a closed-door scrimmage, so nobody could watch it. No, not a fan. Not anybody on the media side. However, I was told by sources that Inter-Miami won the game by a 3-0 mark. They got two goals from... Well, actually, they got one goal from Jay Chapman in the first half and then two goals from Julian Carranza in the second half. That's what I was told. Federico Higuain also missed a penalty kick or failed to put a penalty kick away in the second half. But... Some good news for Inter-Miami, at least uh, in or on a result standpoint. Obviously, it's just a friendly, but a bit of confidence is boosted after that result, surely going into this weekend's game. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, if anything, it's just a case of just trying to get some more minutes in the legs and just keep everyone, you know, ticking over. It's quite a long break, wasn't it? I mean, it mm-hmm. would have come up to three weeks, I think, since they, since they last played. Um, so, yeah, harping on with the same old themes. I'm getting terrible flashbacks now of everything we keep talking about in the same week, just being regurgitated. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, look, just good. And, and I guess also gives them a little indication of, um, of what they can expect against Orlando in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and look, and there was a good bit of downtime here, right? Three weeks since the last game towards this game. The first week in Termine, from what I've heard and what I've been told, that first week they were by and large off. Some players decompressed locally here in South Florida. Others went out of town um, to different parts of the United States to see different parts of the United States. I've heard some went abroad internationally to go spend time with family. So different Players did different things just to decompress, take their mind off of things. And I think Phil Noble had alluded to that during his post-game press conference in the last match against DC United, saying that they'd have some days off before getting back into it. So the battery should be recharged after a good break going into this weekend's match against DC United. Now, obviously, I've only been told what happened on the weekend. I to, Just to reiterate, wasn't able to see it because it was in Orlando and it was closed door, but I was told that Robbie Robinson was one of the players that did not play. So we haven't spoken to Phil Neville since that post-game press conference against DC United a few weeks ago. We'll get the chance to speak to him on Thursday this week, so we'll get an official update then, but Robbie Robinson was not part of the travel roster that played against Toronto FC on the weekend, so it looks like he might still be working his way back to full health. Yeah, um, you know, that, that's this is key, isn't it? This, this break, if anything, it just helped them just get these sort of niggling injuries and worries that they've had for, for a while just to get them, uh, get them sorted out. But it, it seems, unfortunately, for us, like Robbie Robinson, a couple of bad injuries didn't he had in those early few games. Maybe it's taken his toll a bit. Now, another player who did not take part in this match, from what I was told, though he did return to training on Friday, was Rodolfo Pizarro, your favorite Inter-Miami player. Our friend. Your, your, your favorite Inter-Miami player. Um, yes. He did not play for Mexico during the international break. He did go away on international duty and was with Tata Martino's side and his Mexican compatriots and teammates, but he did not play in the CONCACAF Nations League games because he was not on that roster. So, a bit confusing. He was called up to Mexico, but not on the official roster for the Nations League. He was cut from that roster. So, he was able to train and be around the guys, but could not play in those matches. Then he returned to Inter-Miami camp after a few days, though, because the U.S. Men's Nationals game, which was an epic game against Mexico. I don't know if you got a chance to see it, Steve, but... That game was an epic U.S. Men's National Team Mexico game in the CONCACAF Nations League final. I'm trying to remember the exact date of that final. It might have been... Say exactly when it was. It was on June 6th. Okay, so it was it was a week and a half ago. And he, he didn't return until, to Inter-Miami camp until Friday. And that final was played in Denver. So maybe he got a few days off, just like everybody else, before having to, to get back into the thick of things. There were reports, though, during his international call-up about him returning to Mexico. There were rumors that came out linking him with a move to Chivas, I believe it was. I know you've heard things before the break, and you've touched on that and brought them up here on the pod. What's the latest you've heard on Pizarro, if anything at all? Because it seems like the the rumors are starting to swirl a little bit more, and they're starting to heat up with regards to his possible departure from the team. 
Nothing, yeah, nothing as, you know, as same as what we were before, really. Definitely heard that the Chivas, I think it still stands that they're trying to trying to move him on. Um, I guess with the Copa America and the Euros happening right now, everything's a little bit in, in, in flux. Most of the football world is involved in one thing or another, the World Cup qualifiers, et cetera, et cetera. So I think maybe once, once the tournaments are out of the way and then the sort of focus returns back to domestic soccer once again um, in a you know two or three weeks time maybe we'll see movement then I'd, I'd be very surprised if there'll be any movement right now because I think you know clubs are just sort of taking a breather maybe just for a bit and it's not to say nothing's happening behind the scenes I'm sure it is but um, you know a guy that does brilliantly in the Copper Copper America you know his value will, will rocket so I think people maybe just wait until that's finished before uh, making their moves for the next season I've enjoyed the Copa America it's obviously been only one round of games but I've enjoyed it a little bit more than the Euros to this point. Now, obviously, I'm of South American descent, so you could say I'm biased, but just, I don't know. I think we talked about this off-air, but the Euros haven't really wowed me um, all that much. I know you, you alluded to the fact that probably there's a lot of tired legs going on, um, but yeah, I thought I thought the, the level would be a little bit higher. Netherlands-Ukraine is probably the one game that, that's really been uh, fun from a neutral neutral perspective. But anyway... Wait till England. Wait till England, Scotland on Friday. Then you, then you'll see a real game. Maybe, maybe we should watch it together. Although I think maybe. you, I think you might have some plans already. Maybe another time. <laughs> another time. I'm very busy. <laughs> okay, so let's let's switch gears to a game that is coming up this weekend. Inter Miami travels to play the team that last beat it by a three to zero score at Drive Pink Stadium before the international break, and that is DC United. Now. We know what happened last game. Just for reminder's sake, Inter Miami had maybe one of its better games in 2020 in week two of the 2020 season against DC United in a game Inter Miami ended up losing 2-1, to one, the Roman Torres red card. If you remember it well, then we don't need to revisit it that much more than that. But this is a different DC United team as we saw a few weeks ago. New head coach, Steve after this break, after Phil Neville and his coaching staff have had time to analyze things, had a bit of time to decompress and address things on the field, what do you think we might see on Saturday at Audi Field? Well, we're going to need to see, I think, a better performance than when it was, you know, when they met on the 29th of, 29th of May. Remember, full capacity stadium there. Everyone was so up for it. And then all of a sudden it was uh, drowned out pretty quickly, wasn't it? The enthusiasm was was dragged out of the of the fans I expect and waiting to see such a you know a, a big occasion for the club so um they're gonna have to defend a lot better than they did that that day and they're gonna you know they need to be more more clinical in, in front of goal if anything I guess you know they've seen firsthand what this new look kind of DC United are like uh you can't really say they've been in sparkling form either really have they you know same uh, I think eight, eight 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 games nine points um so very 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 similar um, one point ahead of Miami right now, but um, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna have to, they're gonna, gonna have to improve and and, and if, if anything, just try and work out um, just how they're gonna try and keep the ball out of the out of the back of the net because they were they were pro- quite ponderous that day if I remember correctly. So they were poor across the board in that one. We've touched on that. We touched on that in the last pod, so we don't need to revisit that all that much. But obviously, we're gonna talk about that game a little bit because they're playing the same exact opponent in this one. And look, I think DC United is going to come out with a very similar game plan. Hernando Sala, DC United coach, followed the blueprint that has been laid out that we've talked about on several pods now, which is high press into Miami and they will struggle because they can't build out and they have trouble doing so. 
and that's exactly what happened. They were down two to two zero in the first twenty one minutes. So, look for for this one. I think Phil Neville will simplify things for the team. Last time they started the game in a new look three five two formation. It did not work. They changed things up and and went back to the four two three one after giving up two goals in twenty one minutes. I think they'll start the game in that 4-2-3-1 look that they're more comfortable in, that they've had more reps in, and I think that will make for a different game. Because obviously if you look at the 3-0 and you look at the performance, you could think, oh man, they're in for another tough day at the office, especially with this one being away to DC. But I think Inter-Miami will play a much different game. I don't think they're going to go down 2-0 in the first 20-21 minutes. I think that, again, was down to the formation that they were playing that day or at the start of the game. Once they got into the 4-2-3-1, things got slightly better. Not a lot better, but slightly better. But they were obviously already in a hole. Steve, Phil Neville's had some time to think about things. What lineup changes do you think we could see in this one? Assuming, again, I'm assuming they're going they're going to go back to the 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3, something that they're more comfortable with. But what lineup changes... Do you think we could see what personnel moves? What might we might we see on this weekend? Well, it just I guess it just depends on you know on on who's who's available really, doesn't it? I mean, what what do you think? What where do you think he should change it? So I've written that I think Blaise Matuidi needs to be benched at this point. I think that that's a move that Phil Neville should make. And look, I was told, and I said this a little bit ago from sources, Jay Chapman scored the first goal in the first half of this weekend's friendly. And if he scored that, unless there was an injury or something of the like, that probably means he started the game. He so, likes him, doesn't he? He likes. I think he likes Jay Chapman. I could see why. There's good qualities Absolutely. in Jay Chapman. Yeah. You know, he's he's got that central midfield box to box type of abilities. He's not necessarily a, a pure defensive midfielder. He's not necessarily a pure attacking midfielder. Although I think he played there earlier in his career. I think he has more two way type of play. And right now, that's not what you're getting. Or you're not getting enough of that from Blaise Matuidi. I I think that that's a move he you know he should be considering, and I think that's a move that might be in the cards because if Jay Chapman scored in the first half, as I was told, it's a possibility that he's starting that he's starting on the weekend. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely, and that's what those games are for, isn't it? Just to get an idea of, of of what's what. I mean, you know, same old conversations again, isn't it? He can't. He hasn't got the sort of strength and depth to really really change things up. I guess, you know, a lot would depend maybe on, on the fitness of, of Robbie Robinson, you know, if that, but really he's still, he's got the same cards that he's been dealt with, you know, from the, from the start of the season, really. And, and, and that will, we don't know when Kieran Gibbs is, is going to be available, but you know, again, that, that probably wouldn't change too much. We want, we want there to be new sort of central midfielders and new strikers, maybe then that would potentially change the dynamic. We'll have to wait and see. Kieran Gibbs and Nick Marsman, as of late last week, were not, in camp, not sure if it's a visa issue or whatnot, but they have not been able to join up in terms of being with Inter Miami on the training field as of late last week. This week, maybe things have changed. Not sure if they're in training now, but as of last week, I was told that they were not yet in training. Now, Steve, I think you've touched on this already, but what is your key or your keys to the game for Inter Miami this weekend? I mean, you know. DC United only had three shots on target last time and they scored three goals. I think that, that although they were restricting their chances and maybe that speaks a lot more about the, the fallacy of DC United attack, I think uh, it also shows that, you know, Inter Miami just weren't defending well. I've got memories of Ryan Shawcross losing his marker for that, that third goal. 
um, yeah, there was just a lack of there's just a lack of pace and energy, in, I think, in 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 the back line, and and you know, DC United will definitely try and expose that. Um, so I guess they've got to try and maybe they don't want to play too high a line because if they're, they're too far up and the ball's knocked over the top, they're, they're going to be struggling. So I guess maybe they'll sit potentially a bit deeper to compensate for the, for the lack of pace and then hope that the midfield can um, carry the ball, you know, through the lines and, um, you know, support the attack without putting the defence under too much pressure. So you think Inter Miami's going to take a more reactive approach to this one? Uh, I guess it, it, it depends how you sort of, determine what reactive is. I mean, I just, I don't think they can play too, they can't play too far at the pitch. I think they're going to get exposed by the balls over the top. So I think they'll probably away from home as well. Maybe they'll sit a bit deeper and then try and try and hit, hit on the counter. Maybe that will suit them better. Okay. I, I would say that I, my key to the game is the attack. I, I don't, listen, again, I know that you see the three goals and, you know, there were defensive breakdowns in that last game. And I'm, I'm not saying just you, I'm saying in general. And it's, Easy to see and point the finger at the defense when, again, I think the issues came down to the formation and obviously then the breakdowns within that formation that they weren't, they clearly were not comfortable playing in. For me, the key to the game is the midfield. Can you get enough control of the game? I'm not saying you have to boss possession or even win possession, but can you control enough of the game to the point where your defense isn't having to face waves of attacks and eventually breaking down? And can you get enough of the ball to create things in the attacking third for your goal scorers? I think that is the key. And maybe introducing Jay Chapman to the fold helps on both sides. Obviously, he's not going to be someone that fixes everything, but maybe he can help in that regard along with some fine-tuning of positions or the system or whatnot i mean look you know i don't know if you saw yesterday but there was some good quotes from gonzalo Higuain. spoke to espn and um you know his quote was i thought i would come here and play with a cigarette in my mouth and instead it's difficult it's a tough league so that just gives you gives also gives you an idea that he's also found it difficult um as as what has been shown on the pitch steve two questions for you to wrap up this segment what is your prediction for the weekend against dc united and how important is a win for Inter Miami, taking into consideration that they've had some time to work on things, as have other teams, but there's only three games for Inter Miami before they go into another two-week break because of the CONCACAF Gold Cup. So obviously you want to start gaining momentum, start having a more positive feel and more confidence within the locker room. So how important is a win on Saturday? A win is very important. I, <clears throat> I think they probably take a draw now. I just think they need a positive result, don't they? And if that's a draw or if that's a win, you know, a defeat um, wouldn't be good at all. So um, just, just a positive performance. They, they, they're coming off the back of some pretty dire ones. So it's, it's vital. They just, yeah, they, they just get a positive result and performance, um, to, you know, just, uh, yeah, just to help, help things along because um, another crushing defeat uh, wouldn't be good. Never is good to have a crushing defeat, especially when you're on a on a on a, on a not great run. What, what about your prediction? One all. One one. Yep. Okay, I'm going one zero into Miami. Think they'll scrap and claw their way to a victory. I don't think it'll necessarily be pretty, but I think they'll be able to to get the job done. And for me, I think it's very important that they get the job done because losing again. Before you come back home to face your rivals in the Sunshine Clasico would not be 
the ideal way to head into that game. So a victory, three points, and to move up the table, it's very, very important. Steve, let's wrap up this segment. Let's take a quick break, and we'll come back to talk about Jorge Mas's recent comments about MLS ownership. We'll talk about Lionel Messi rumors. We'll talk about a lot more, and we'll do that after this. Steve, so we've got a number of topics to still talk about with regards to Inter-Miami. However, you just told me in between the segments during the break there that you have a Euro fantasy team. Please tell us you have some good players on this team, please. Uh, well, I made the brilliant move uh, in captaining Cristiano Ronaldo on a Monday, Tuesday, Tuesday night, and so he got me 20 points. Very I nice. made the bad move of, after having a few beers, thinking I could sub out Berardi from Italy and then put him back in of course then I lost six points so um, not bad uh, could be better I'm just waiting to see how Yilmaz does in a minute against uh, well against Wales and then um, all my hopes are pinned again on Ronaldo delivering big but who you just can't deny Cristiano Ronaldo can you really so wait, are you does is your league set up where you play a game through the whole group stage or you're playing one game per route? No, it's it's it's, it's separated per sort of, uh, stage of the, of the group. So it's three, three stages in the groups for three different game days and then last 16, quarterfinals, semi and then finals. So yeah. anyway, it's, this is boring. People don't want to hear about my fantasy team. I, the, hey, actually, some people might actually. Primo is a sensation in South Florida now. Um, Not when it comes to fantasy. <laughs> well, let's, let's talk about then a potential sensation and that would be Lionel Messi playing for Inter Miami. Those rumors popped up during the international break. There's talk of him signing a very lucrative deal with Barcelona. I think it was for 10 years, if I'm not mistaken, two of which would see him play for Inter Miami beginning in 2023. Now, Obviously, we've seen a lot of these type of stories before, a lot of these type of rumors, be it Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, your fantasy captain, Neymar. We've seen a bunch of different names. Antoine Griezmann. We've seen a bunch of different names tied to Inter-Miami over the past X amount of years. How much truth do you think there is to this rumor? Well, you know, it's interesting to know that these stories about his contract and what it was written into his this new deal he's going to sign uh, was was leaked to a in in a Spanish Spanish newspaper, I think a pro Barcelona publication. So you know you you seem to think that elements of that are, are going to be are going to be true. It's not something that came out here or or elsewhere other than in Spain. And so then you know once those stories come out, then we put it to into Miami or you you speak to people. We speak to people as journalists around the the club. You know what do you think? What do you think? And the the, the noises we we're hearing that yeah, we, of course we of course we want him. There's been discussions of that. I'm 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 pretty sure. The only thing is, is that I think where this story just lost a little bit of its sort of zip and, and sort of uh, gravitas was just the fact that it's in two years. You know, he's going to come in two years. I mean, a lot can happen in two years. Messi could win multiple La Ligas and Champions Leagues and all of a sudden think, you know, oh, hold on, I want to stay here for a little bit longer. So I definitely think there's been contact. Of course, they're going to be interested in him. Messi's on record as saying he wants to finish his career in, in the United States. You could see him or Ronaldo coming and living in Miami, in South Florida. I couldn't see Messi or Ronaldo going and living in Philadelphia, for example. Nothing against Philadelphia. Great city. 
the same with maybe somewhere like you know DC or Chicago. You know, it, it's you know I know big players have gone there in the past, but you could just see Ronaldo or Messi walking along South Beach, maybe not too far down Atlantic, but maybe a bit further up. Um, but yeah, look, there's a lot of unknowns. We you know we don't know what's going to happen. Like I say, in the next two years, do I think they're interested in him? Yes, have there been contact? Yeah, I mean that's the thing with you know Beckham. He can he can pick up the phone and speak to any player in the world, you know, with his contacts and who he knows. So from what I'm led to believe, it's correct, but there's just a lot of ifs and buts and and what happens, who knows, we don't know what's going to happen in the next two years, but, you know. So you're skeptical? I think there's truth in it. They definitely want him. Is it, is it written in blood in his contract? You will go to Inter Miami <laughs> in two years. I mean, no. It's, there's probably a thing saying there. I'm, you know, I'm only, I'm only you know, guesstimating here, but you know, after after two years, he will then have the option to, to leave Barcelona and go somewhere else. You know, who who knows? For all we know, he may have something. I, I'm sure I read a piece recently, but suggesting that you know he may have a similar deal. Um, like with MLS, like Beckham had about a cut price franchise. You just, you know, there's something like that. I wonder if MLS have been in also contact working alongside into Miami, although they're probably not the best bedfellows right now because of everything that's gone on. And yeah, maybe there's some sort of franchise thing, you know, further down the road. You know, that that could that could be a possibility. So you know, have MLS bought his his ownership, some ownership rights on him, or, or whatever, you know, goes into that kind of transfer. I don't know, but I, I think there would be an element of that. Um, we're never going to probably see the contract unless we hack into Lionel Messi's iPad, uh, which I can't personally do. I don't know about you, um, but yeah, inter- look, it's interesting and it, it sounds positive that they're you know they're definitely in for him and they would consider such a move. Of course they would, but we'll have to wait and see. I mean, it's not you know I can't say for definite he will be here in 2023, but uh, this, the noises are that they've definitely definitely been definitely been some sort of discussions at some level. So wow, I am usually the skeptical and cynical one here and it looks like the rules have reversed at least on this topic because i actually believe that there is a good bit of truth to the story i, I, do, hold on, I didn't say I, it was untrue you, say, you, you, you said the there's story. truth to it you said there's some truth to it right but you you're also saying ah oh, you know it might not happen depending on x x and x y and z well, unless he does a press conference tomorrow says okay guys hi how you that's, doing hey just that's say, fine i'm not i'll see you in I'm 2023 just, you know i just there's that element of it that's what if they're saying oh yeah he's going to move this in sure. three two months then that's different i'm not disagreeing with you on that i'm just telling you that i i don't think it's out of the realm of possibility i think it's actually there's actually a lot of truth in that because of the amount of detail that came out in the initial report breaking down his 10-year deal with barcelona i think that there is sizable truth to it nothing i've heard i just think that that's there's that there is a very good chance that Lionel messi suits up for inter miami at some point and plays in mls at some point for a number of the reasons you mentioned including the fact that messi does want to or has said he wants to play in the united states and live that experience at the end of his career something else that's not a Minor fact is that he is sponsored by Adidas and has been, I think, for his entire career. And Major League Soccer's main sponsor or main sporting sponsor is Adidas, just like it was for David Beckham. So that is something else that could tie in. That's another way to maybe link him or, or to get him to come over here. You, you get Adidas to sell him on the idea of playing here and being the face of MLS and helping grow the sport. I think MLS is going to go all in, push all their chips in to try to get him to come to Major League Soccer and Inter Miami would make sense given the status of the franchise internationally 
results aside on the field so far. So I think there's a very, very good chance that it happens. Some people listening to this might be like, well, he's drinking the the pink and black Kool-Aid, La Rosa Negra Kool-Aid, but I actually think on this one that there is a good chance that Messi comes to play for Inter Miami in a couple of years for, for various various reasons. Now, unless you have something else to add there, we'll switch gears. I don't know if you, if you wanted to, to rebuttal. No, all I would say that the, the original story was in sport, uh, a, a newspaper called Sport, which is a pro Barcelona uh, newspaper. So again, you know, these in Real Madrid, in Real, have their own sort of pro, you know, not propaganda, but you know, they have their own <laughs> sort of publications where they they leak stuff, and you know, the club will want to get you know stories out. And so this, you know, the fact that it's come from there means that there would definitely be truth in it. I'm just plucked. Yeah, out of thin air. Oh yeah, he's going to sign for Inter Miami. They're, they've they've been given a steer on this, um, so I definitely 100% think there's something in it. I will say this. I'll add this before we change the subject because I think I texted you this or I talked to other people about it during the break. I do think the timing is pretty coincidental that this messy to Inter Miami news comes out just after they've hit essentially close to rock bottom during their their season or at the start of the season. So. I thought that the timing was a bit coincidental. However, um, again, I do think that there is a good bit of truth to it. So we'll, we'll move on to the next topic, which also happened during the last few weeks. And that was Jorge Mas coming out and touching on the sanctions and everything that went on during the last season. He did so on a few places with the Miami Herald and with The Athletic. However, I think the money quote that came out of either story was in The Athletic, and it was when he was talking about MLS in general and the state of some ownership groups within the league. And this is his quote to The Athletic. It's no secret that there are a segment of owners in the league that do not want to spend money, that are okay with the status quo, that are very happy with their financial situation and circumstances because they invested in the league X amount of years ago, and it's just a cash cow. They're clipping coupons and life is good. That's not why we got into this. We got into this for very different reasons. End quote. Steve, I thought that was a bomb. An incredible quote. However you perceive it, obviously different people perceive it in different ways. Some people said he's right. Some people said it's rich that the owner that broke the rules is saying it. So some people didn't take it well. How did you take that quote? What do you think about it? No, I think he's a, I think he's 100% right. And that that's the problem with this, with this model. It does, in a way you know, encourage mediocrity or you can look at anything. You look at the NBA season when, you know, halfway through, most teams know they're not going to qualify for the playoffs. And so they just tank and they make sure they have the best draft picks the next in the next the next season. So, I mean, that this is something that is just unique to American sport. It doesn't happen like this in Europe. And if if they were, if Inter Miami was playing in La Liga or something, and then they, you know, people in terms of the financial stuff, I'm sure stuff like that goes on all the time. So yeah, they did push the envelope. They were completely wrong, but they were just they were acting like they were a club that are involved in, in a normal in inverted commas league where they are doing stuff to push the envelope and spend too much money and then potentially go bankrupt and everyone has to lose their jobs and then they come back again. That's that's how it works in, in England and across many other teams. Look at Real Madrid or Barcelona. There are millions sure. and millions of dollars in It's across the world, mostly. It's across most yeah. of the world. That's that's the that's the structure or the format or the, the setup that most leagues and most countries have adopted. It's just the way soccer is. I know that's maybe a bit foreign to people that get into soccer through the United States lens or through the MLS lens, but that's how it works in most of the world. I agree with him, and I agree with you in terms of the point he's making because anyone that's followed MLS for a long time 
knows that there are owners in the league that barely invest, that their teams are at the lower bo- the lower half of the spending year in and year out. If you're new to MLS, there's a bunch of these type of teams. And it's not a secret, so we can name some of them right here. Vancouver Whitecaps are one. Colorado Rapids are another. Dallas. Houston Dynamo. FC Dallas. The New York Red Bulls have reduced from what they used to spend. There are several teams that are content, like Jorge Mas said, with the way things are. And they, you know, there's obviously a lot of money coming into MLS from a commercial side. So they are not necessarily incentivized to field a competitive team. Whereas Inter Miami wants to field a competitive team. Obviously, they broke a lot of rules trying to do so a year ago. That's something that people have commented in re- in reaction to this quote from Jorge Mas. Because let's play devil's advocate. Because again, I agree with you and I agree with Jorge Mas about the state of some of the ownership groups in this league. But when the owner that broke the rule is saying this, that's obviously not going to come off very well to a lot of people. So, Steve... Do you think there's any element of this where it's just the owner that broke the rules being a bit sour? Because that's that's a reaction and that's some feedback I got from some people that work in the business, that that, that are involved in soccer saying, oh, if the guy that broke the rules, it's rich that the guy that broke the rules is saying, oh, well, you know, we can't invest X amount more than everybody else because we want to and we want to do that. Obviously, Jorge Mas has to know, has to have known what he was getting into when he joined MLS as well. And MLS, like you said, like we know is a salary budget, salary cap type of league. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I guess, it, yeah, there is an element of, yeah, it's, it's rich rich coming from him considering what, what he's done. But I think, I guess, he didn't, because he hadn't been involved before and once he was thrown into it and then they started to negotiate and they realised it was difficult and, oh, we can't give him that much money, so we'll give him a house or we'll give him a yacht or we'll do whatever else, you know, we want. That That, that was when they tried to push, you know, push the envelope and... And that must have got them frustrated now that they've, you know, they've been caught and they've been hauled over the coals or, or, or whatever. So, yeah, it, it is a bit rich, but it's also showing his mindset that they they were desperate to do whatever it, it took, uh, legal or illegal, to, to put a, a good team on the park. And it's not, <laughs> you can't do that. You can't do it. So, you know, it's still, mind, the mind boggles as to why they thought they could get away with it. But we've spoken to Jorge Mas enough times now to know that he's not the kind of guy who's going to settle for is picking up a paycheck and picking up the, the sponsorship money from Adidas and Toyota and, and who else. They want to try and really be super competitive. But it's in this model, you've, it's it's difficult. And I think a lot of it eventually comes down to good scouting and good coaching. And they probably didn't have either of that in that first, that first season. No, look, absolutely. And this is the last thing I'll say on this topic for now is that it's better to have owners like Jorge Mas in the league than... Not because he is trying to push the league forward, trying to get the league to invest more money into its rosters, into its players. And I think, this is just my personal opinion, that that is what the league needs to take the next step or two or three. Because sure, the league can be attractive. It can be a good spectacle when you're looking at it from an insular point of view and you're just looking at MLS. But when you see them compete internationally in CONCACAF Champions League, they still have yet to win that. They still don't compete with the Mexican team. So from a sporting standpoint, on a bigger picture, or if you take a step back and look at the at the more complete picture, 
there is a lot that is left to be desired in terms of how much money is being put into the rosters. Obviously, MLS has taken steps to slowly and incrementally allow teams to spend more, but it's obviously happening happening maybe at a slower pace than some people would like. I know there's plenty of MLS fans that think the league needs to take the training wheels off and just let teams spend a little more and let teams sink or swim, but obviously MLS has reasons for why it does not allow that to happen, at least not yet. Something else that happened over the last few weeks, Steve, and obviously this was not good news, but it came out and it was that Inter Miami has stopped operations for Onside Radio, which, if you're not familiar with what Onside Radio is, it was a streaming radio service, but online, talking on all sports, and there was daily content. They recorded out of Drive Pink Stadium, nice little office overseeing the field. That no longer is around. That that has stopped. What did you make of that news? Did it take you by surprise? Because it took a lot of people by surprise. It's kind of feel like it came out of nowhere, given the fact that it just launched, I think, last fall. Yeah, it's a shame. I, I, I You know, people have obviously lost their jobs. I think we know a few people that, that were there. It, it's, correct me if I'm wrong, but is that that's the same... Is that the same arm that does the, the, the radio commentary of the match? Or, or is that is that staying as well, yeah. do you know? So I've heard that the radio game broadcast will continue. Good, good. But only during the game. There's no pregame show anymore. There's no uh, postgame show, I believe. That's, again, what I was told. So it'll just be That's a, real a, shame. a, com- a commentary of, of, of the match. Um the, I wonder if this stream, and is it. Stream. I wonder if this is a knock on of. I wonder if this is a knock on of of the money that they got. See, hit so, by. so yeah, I. It, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No. Go ahead. No. I mean, I'm just. I mean, you know, there was such substantial amount. So, it's. I mean, it's possible, isn't it? I guess. So I've heard that, and I could see why that could be taken into consideration, or why that could be a possibility. But Jorge Mas has a lot of money, man. And I don't think he's chopping onside radio because they got sanctioned. Because they broke rules. I, I just don't think so. I've also been told, and this is information, not a supposition, this is information. I heard that there were internal issues that led to this this being the decision that they took and that it came out of nowhere. Again, this, this venture started last fall. So it only lasted, I think, seven, eight months before the plug was pulled. So I've heard that there were, there were issues behind the scenes. Not sure what they were, again, to reiterate, but... I heard that it was more along the lines of that than anything else. I don't, I don't believe that the financial part was the key part from what from what I've been told. Yeah, it's 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 just a shame. You know, I, I personally like do enjoy listening to stuff on the radio. I know it's a bit old school, but um, you know, I thought the pre you know pregame stuff, everything like that, just easily accessible content which people can can listen to, and it just builds up the whole you know building up the club and building them up here in. South Florida and, 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 and you know, and further, I guess. Um, so, yeah, it's disappointing. You'd hope maybe at, at some point the club could try and look to, to resurrect at least the pregame, the pregame postgame, because I thought all that, that stuff was, was pretty good, especially if you're on the go. So, yeah, it's unfortunate. And people that we know obviously lost, lost work out of it, which is also not great. Yeah, no, it's, it's unfortunate. I obviously got to meet a lot of the guys that worked on that team. You know, we wish them the best, obviously, and hopefully they get their feet up and running as soon as possible, because I, I thought they, I thought they no, had built something. I thought they were building something 
pretty solid over there. I thought they were they were doing something that was a little different. Obviously, a radio style station, but online in terms of just streaming it. It's not. It wasn't on the car radio. You'd have to you'd have to stream it um, online. But I thought the idea was interesting, and I thought the execution far and away was was. Coming off pretty well. There were some big names in, in terms of other sports and local people that cover the other local t- sports teams that were making appearances or that had weekly hits or weekly shows. So um, I thought it was headed in a, in a good direction. So yeah, this definitely def- sorry, this definitely blindsided me a little bit. But again, I've, I've heard that there was there was more to it than just finances. Two quick things bef- to end the, this segment, and that was there were, were other players, Inter Miami players, that were on international duty during the last few weeks, that was Jovan Jones and Kelvin Leardam. They both took part in their respective countries' World Cup qualifiers. Unfortunately for both of them and their nations, they were all eliminated from World Cup qualifying. Jovan Jones in Trinidad and Tobago didn't make it. And Kelvin Leardam and Suriname were also eliminated. So they won't be involved in World Cup qualifying for Qatar 2022 anymore. Maybe that means that they don't get called up as often going forward, which is a plus for Inter-Miami to have more options available. Um, but obviously bad news for them. They obviously wanted to continue trying to qualify for, for the World Cup. There were there was some good news, however, with other players, and that's especially in regards to Edison Ascona and George Acosta. Edison Ascona scored a game winner for Fort Lauderdale CF, which he joined on loan as soon as the international break started. He scored a game winner a couple weeks ago. A nice header, a uh, nice run into the box, slips in between the two center backs and nods home a good cross from fellow Inter-Miami player Josh Penn, who was also playing for Fort Lauderdale CF. And as far as George Acosta goes, he's had a very good start to the USL season. I believe he has five assists up until this point, which is halfway to the record for most assists in a USL season. So George Acosta's enjoying... Some pretty good time with the Fort Lauderdale CF team. People have asked, you know, is it time for him to come up to the first team and get some minutes and maybe play as the 10 or play in the midfield? I think it's still too early. I think the whole point of sending him to Fort Lauderdale CF is so he gets minutes, he gets more experience, and I think this will serve him going forward more more towards the longer-term future. I don't think that he's in the plans for this this year. Now, you can obviously look at the numbers and say, look, he's performing there, but MLS is still another level or two above where USL is. But it's good news that they're that the the youngsters are playing and making an impact. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the whole that's the whole point, isn't it? You know, to have this yeah, every team has it, like a feeder team or or, or reserve team, but um, you know, the close proximity as well, everyone together at the the training ground and, and stuff like that. So it seems seems like, you know, they they they've got options there, haven't they? Who to who to call up? Could be Harvey Neville. You never know. Well, it's possible. And look, I'll say this and then we'll wrap up this segment. Mitch Curry had a very nice goal a week, week and a half ago, maybe two weeks ago. Makes a run in behind, gets on the end of a, of a nice pass, but just shows the type of play that we haven't seen from Inter-Miami this season in terms of a run into space and then the calm and composure to, to clip the ball over the, the unrushing goalkeeper. So maybe Mitch Curry, again, is one to keep an eye on for the future because... Inter-Miami, again, we know the limitations they're going to have to deal with in the coming years, and they're going to have to probably tap into their, their Fort Lauderdale CF team for some talent. So we'll leave it there for this segment. We'll come back for our Q&A session and our final thoughts after this. 
right, Steve, we've got a few questions. Let's get through them as quickly but as thoroughly as possible. The first one comes from Carlos J. Flores. If Pizarro is traded, what do you think they do with the open DP slot? Could they get 322 DPs with that new rule or with the oh, new but, rules? I mean, well, Willian was the Willian was the one they they wanted. Still want him, I think. Um, I, I'm actually, excuse me, I don't, I'm actually unsure if he's involved with Brazil. I don't, I don't think he is in this Copa America no, campaign, is he? No, no, no. So that that could that would help them for sure. But also, like you say, they have to move. Pizarro on and then remember they're going to have to get rid of someone like Gonzalez Perez I think Figal was the other name wasn't it and um, there was one other name as well that was uh, linked in with that those sort of players they're going to have to get rid of whose name escapes me right now Carranza yeah maybe yeah they're going to have to they're going to have to sell at least one of those maybe two and then obviously trying and try and get rid of Pizarro so um, I think the next few weeks should be pretty interesting in terms of I think like I said once these finals finish in Sat Copper America and the Euros, and I think there could be quite a bit of movement. If Pizarro goes to answer Carlos's question, they're obviously going to, I think, fill it with another attacker, another DP player in that part of the field, be it a 10 or be it a winger. William is obviously the one that has been linked very strongly in the last few weeks, besides Messi. But Messi is obviously for the for the longer term future. So fully expect them to sign a DP attacker if. Pizarro goes. Now, could they get 322 DPs with the new rules? I will say they could get 322 players, but not DPs because it's separate from DPs. There's DPs and then there's this new under-22 initiative. Next question comes from Tank721. Prediction on the starting lineup in DC and what will the score at be at halftime? Will Pizarro play another game for the Herons or are his days numbered? Man, Pizarro is a hot topic, man, when it comes to Inter-Miami. He's not even playing. He's a hot topic. Um, look, I don't think we gave a lineup, and we normally do, so I will give one now. Steve, Bear you... in mind, also, we haven't spoken to anyone for That's weeks. That's true. So it's true. Well, I know this is going before, before we speak to Phil Neville on Thursday. but I will say this, and Steve, you're more than welcome to copy my test if you want. John McCarthy in goal. Nicolas Vigal at right back. Brian Shawcross at right center back. Leandro Gonzalez-Pitas at left center back. Jovin Jones at left back. Jay Chapman and Gregori and Victor Ulloa in the midfield. Gonzalo Higuain up top. Lewis Morgan on the right. Breck Shea on the left. That's that's my prediction. Breck Shea, yeah. I think, Matuidi, yeah. I think Matuidi gets dropped. I think that the signs are pointing towards that happening. I mean, you know, I wonder if there could be a situation where they could try and move... Matuidi on as well. I mean, that would obviously free up a lot of money and, and also free up someone's yacht. So, <laughs> um, people, yeah. are, people are going to think that that's true, man. He has people a, are gonna a, think he has it's a true. yacht. I mean, we um, don't know if I he just, has a yacht. Maybe he has a yacht, but we don't know. Mate, I'm, sure, I'm sure he has. But um, yeah, maybe interesting to see what they do with him because I, you know, I don't think they've been particularly impressed with the performances he's put on this season. I can, like you say, we can really ever remember him playing well once, but um, we'll have to wait and see. Yes. As for the other questions, what will the score be at halftime? I've already said I think the final score will be 1-0, so I will say 0-0 at halftime of this game. And will Pizarro play another game for the Herons? I mean, I think his names, his days are numbered, but I think he could play a game or two before a potential departure. I think he will see another... Another match, I think he'll see the field again for Inter-Miami at some point, but I do think his days are numbered, and it's something we've definitely said on the pod um, over the last several weeks, if not months. Uh, next question comes from Fighting Herons. Which of these 
was the more incredibly bad move by Paul McDonough signing a way over the hill Matuidi to a two-year $13 million contract or paying red card machine Andres Reyes more than $1.5 million salary on a loan deal? Steve, I will let you start here. Well, I mean, the, 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 some of the figures that were coming out of how much they were actually paying Matuidi, I think one I saw, wasn't it up to around sort of 15 or $16 million, million over two years? I mean, it's absolutely staggering. I mean, we're not talking about Lionel Messi here or, or even Ronaldo or whatever. I mean, why they thought that was, was a good deal, you know, it's, it's just madness, really. And, and just, yeah, it's left them in with a real hole that, that they're going to have to sort of scramble their way back out of. But whoever thought that was a good deal... Um, deserves to be banned for two years, and he probably has been. <laughs> so you think the Matuidi deal was a worse deal? Because I know Andres Reyes is not your favorite player in the whole world. No, but I mean, at least, you know, Reyes has a bit of has a bit of potential, doesn't, doesn't he? Um, mm-hmm. um, and he looked right. half, half decent player. Um, there's a, there's decent, a player in there somewhere, according, there to, is, according, there is, according to Steve Brenner. <laughs> bizarre, but the, honestly, the amount of money that was being was thrown to Matuidi was, yeah, Staggering, really. No wonder. No wonder at the uh, the good old investigators at MLS HQ uh, pricked up their ears when uh, they they heard about you know some some of those figures. Absolute madness. Yeah. So to answer the question, I would say that I think the out of those two moves, right? You're asking out of those two moves, the worst one is the Matuidi deal. I, you know, at least with Andres Reyes, obviously you could say the salary's high, but there was a loan. It was a loan, right? And there was an option to buy afterwards. So. You know, if he didn't perform or he didn't perform well enough, you had the option to just say, cut your cut your losses and say, all right, he goes back or, you know, bet the best to him in his future. Whereas with Matuidi, you are stuck on a longer term deal that ties you down. And he's obviously an older player, has good pedigree, played in a World Cup, etc., etc., but making a lot of money. So that one handicaps you a little bit more, a little bit he less He won the World Cup three years ago. He won the World Cup three years ago. Just, to, yeah, it's, it's a long time. I think yeah, no, for sure. That, for sure. So point, yeah. out of those two moves, you know, just based on flexibility alone, the Matuidi deal is the worst of the two, especially when you take their performances into account because Matuidi just hasn't hasn't lived up anywhere close to, to what you think a DP should be, or at least that's just my opinion. Next question comes from Jason Siegel, and this is a little bit more of a broad question. Best home pitch environment in Major League Soccer? Steve, I'll ask you to go first again. Home pitch environment in terms of atmosphere, pitch, yeah. actual yeah. quality of the grass? No, I, th- uh, I think it means atmosphere. That's what atmosphere. I think. Well, I mean, it's... it's I, I, you've probably been to more MLS grounds than I have. I'd say uh, I, I did like LAFC. Uh, LA Galaxy is not that... It's not that atmospheric there, is it? I guess Yankee Stadium when it was full or, you know, fuller was, was quite decent. I can't believe there. you just said Yankee Stadium, but go ahead. I've saw some decent games. Yeah, Rebel Arena was, is never a very atmospheric ground, but when it was packed, when it was full, it was it was decent. The question is best, Steve. I want your best. Your best. Well, Jason Siegel wants your best. Good question. I mean, I've been to Seattle, but I haven't actually been to Seattle for a Sounders game. Oh, I've been to, well, it has to be Portland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know it's, it's probably, you know, that's a generic answer because everyone says how wonderful Portland is, but Portland have got it down to a T from, and if, and if when they play, if they are playing away there, um, you know, and you can get away to get to Portland just for a game, it's got a European feel, you can walk to the stadium, the stadium's in, in, in a big, in, in town, so you can go to a bar, have a few beers and go to the stadium, it's it's awesome, they've got it, they've, they've got it down to a T, I think that is the, that's the sort of model which Don Garber would want, want every 
club to follow in terms of you know stadium location etc etc because um yeah it's a it's a big good great soccer town a great place to watch soccer no no love for atlanta united huh okay i've um, never been i've no, never been i'm sure it's I've, wonderful I've, but... i was there for mls cup final 2018 heck of a uh atmosphere obviously they get the most amount of fans in the in the house but if you're have asking you been to me Poland? have you been to poland i have and i you know i think they're definitely up there as well as seattle but for me, out of the ones I've been to, and I've been to a little bit more than half of MLS team stadiums at this point, I would say LAFC. I would say LAFC just based on the the vibe and the uh, the electricity. Obviously, Portland is right up there. You can make a case Columbus, for them. And I actually, Columbus? Columbus is cool? No, they're not even close. Not even close. That's also a very similar sort of European. I remember going to a game in Columbus, a preseason game in Newcastle way back in the day. Fans walking. We're in a bar and fans are walking to the stadium. Um, it's, it's, that's also cool. That's cool, but that's not, that's not. Listen, Columbus and their fan base, and you know, there's a very dedicated fan base there. They saved their team. A lot of props to them, but I don't think anyone would say Columbus has is in the running for the best environment. I, it's Portland. It's. It's Seattle, LAFC. I would throw in Inter Miami as well as yeah. Atlanta United. Inter Miami has a very good atmosphere, and we're only just now starting to see what it can look like at full capacity. So now Inter Miami fans will get a bigger opportunity to showcase themselves and make their case for being, you know, the best atmosphere at, at home. Again, Kansas, Kansas is a cool stadium. Kansas City's Kansas City's a good one, but if we're talking absolute best, again, I would narrow it down to Atlanta, Seattle, Portland. I would give it to LAFC. There is one team I'd like to also see, and I, you know, I'm rambling now, but this team, I have not seen them in person, but I have seen them on TV, and it looks great, and that's Minnesota United. So that yeah. looks like it has a great atmosphere Cincinnati, as well. Austin. You know, there's, there's so many good, great markets out there. There really are. Now I'm sounding like Don Garber now. But, yeah, I was going to say, you're, 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 uh, you're, you're going all over the place. The question was best, not 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 good. The question's best. They're all so, good. They're all good. They're all... Don Garber is on line one. Steve Brenner, we have an interview for you um, for a soon-to-be-created position. Um, next question comes from Elder Barr. Is Moss a corrupt businessman? What's the best way to handle the Pizarro-Phil issue? Does Brenner agree with the way Phil handled Pizarro's struggling level by exhibiting him the last five minutes versus Cincinnati? A lot of questions there, Steve. One aimed directly at you. So, yeah, let's, you know, let's start with you there. Well, I mean, the one about Jorge Mas, you know, Jorge Mas is a, is a well-known businessman who's, who's, made, who's made a successful living you know, being like a construction guy in, in Miami. So, you know, that I'm sure that environment of working with construction people and, and whatever else they, they do in terms of, you know, his mass tech construction or whatever, you know, he's 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 hard nosed. He's a hard nosed business guy who's who makes, you know, big decisions, big calls. These biz, business guys, they they don't they don't muck around, you know. It's not just dealing here with transfers, he's dealing with with all kinds of different deals worth multiple multiple millions of, of, of dollars. So um you know, he's a hard-nosed business guy. He's not corrupt. Um, he's just, it's, it's part of, I'm not going to say it's part of the game. That, that's, that's, that's not true. I'm just, I'm, I'm sure he drives a hard bargain. He knows how to deal with, deal with people and, um, you know, make, make things work for himself. So he's tried to just massage the rules slightly in this, this particular instance. And he's, you know, he's been, he's been found out. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say it's corrupt. No, but, I mean, that wasn't the question I was referring to, my friend Steve. The question, the question I was more referring to was, does Brennan agree with the way Phil handled Pizarro's struggling level by exhibiting him the last five minutes for Cincinnati? Maybe you intentionally tried to evade yeah. that question, but... 
Listen, if he's, if, he's playing, uh, if he's playing him for 90 minutes every week and he gets injured and then he's out for six months, they're not going to be able to sell him. Then they're going to be in a real hole. I think they're, um, they have to hold him back and make sure he's in prime condition for the when, if and when some club comes in for him, that he's going to be, he's, he's going to be ready. I mean, they want, they want him out. They're trying to push him out. I mean, that's not, it's not I don't think that's, that's far from the truth at all. So I'll say, I'll answer this piece by piece. Is Master Club business, man? I don't know. I don't know. Obviously, the the team broke the rules. The team that he's the managing owner of broke the rules under his watch, and he's been fined for that. Obviously, it doesn't reflect well on the team, but I, you know, I don't, I don't know if he's a corrupt businessman or not. Um, what's the best way to handle the Pizarro Phil issue? I mean, Pizarro's on the way out by all accounts. Everything's pointing in that direction, so that's that's probably going to be the resolution. Uh, well, he could with, start with playing better. That, that would help. But anyway, yeah. I mean, sure, the whole team could start playing better. Uh, last question, Steve. It comes from Gabe P., one of our very regular listeners. Do you think we could play Acosta on the eight position instead of Matuidi in our next game? The kid is playing at an incredible level for the Fort Lauderdale team. Is the closure of on-site radio a, cons- a consequence of the Matuidi scandal? So I'll start here if that's okay, and I will say what I said before. I think Acosta is showing a good level at it with Fort Lauderdale CF. I think that that's good for him, and I think that he'll get more minutes there. I don't think he's ready just yet to play in MLS. Should he get an opportunity at some point this season to make his case or show some things? I don't see why not, although Inter-Miami is trying to fight for points desperately to get higher up the table, so maybe that could be a hindrance or, or limit him to, to not seeing the field or prevent him from not seeing the field. So um, maybe at some point this season we'll see him, but I don't think he's going to be starting next next week or this weekend or anytime soon. Again, I think Jay Chapman is more in contention for that. Now, you you know, you could have your opinion about Jay Chapman, but I think he's an, at this point he is he'll give you more than what Matuidi's giving you. So I think that's the move we could see. Um, and then as for on-site radio, we, we touched on that as well. And, uh, you know, again, I, I don't think it's a financial thing or I don't think it's mainly a financial thing. And as I've been told, I've heard there were some, some things going on behind the scenes that, that led to that decision. Yeah, just let's hope that just I think just for the fans, you're struggling to find other than the stuff that we do, you know, proper sort of you know tv programs or radio programs dedicated just solely to, to covering covering the team other than other than the match so um yeah it's just it's a shame so steve let's go with our final thoughts here so we can wrap up the show normally you start but i'm just gonna start because uh you know normally our final thoughts tend to be inter miami focus and that's perfectly fine but sometimes they can be about anything else in the soccer world or just anything else in general i will say going back to the beginning of the pod England is an overrated national team and an overrated program. Um, I don't know why you guys or why why they absolutely the English media always talks them up to be one of like oh well you know we can do it we can do it. There's never like a real sense. Of course, we're not not Peru. Oh yeah, you guys have one tournament that you guys won 1966 back at back at home in your and you but you guys you guys are always expect to be like in contention to to we should be 100 percent of course we should be no no you you don't have the talent you don't have the Oh, we, we'll get, oh, we're good, we're, hopefully we'll get out the group stage. I mean, they're not going to say that, uh, is it? Of course yes, get out the group stage and go it. from there. No, win it. You guys don't have the, the players, like, from, like, in general to be, a in general, uh, a contender on a regular basis. You just don't oh, have well. that. History has shown that, so I'm not even going off of just, you know, History has shown that we've gone very close a number of times and haven't been good enough to, to, to get over the line, but... Um... 
Yeah, well, I see. I'm, I, who, I'm not saying we're like like a European Brazil or something. I mean, they've got a chance. Yeah, of course. But France look very good. Um, Italy looking good. We'll see. England have got, got a bad squad. The best squad they've had for for quite a while. You didn't you haven't follow them during the dark days of the 90s and the 2000s. Yeah, I mean, Phil Neville giving away a penalty against Romania at Euro 2000. Ask me about that and see what he says. <laughs> oh, well, that was my final thought about England. Nice little debate there. Steve, what is your final thought? My final thought is that never say any nasty things about England during a um, <laughs> tournament or I will get my Peruvian voodoo doll out. You know? that, that is the most uh, passionate I think I've ever heard you on this pod. I think we got your, ruffles feather, uh, your feathers got ruffled a little bit there. I haven't got so upset that when we were debating whether or not it was good for Pizarro. Was it to play two games <laughs> in Austria? <Oscar? laughs> <laughs> okay, well... If that's your final thought, then that does it for this week's pod. We touched on a lot of topics, of course. There were a lot of things to catch up on. And we will be back on a regular basis, at least for the next couple of weeks before the next international break. Because, again, there is another one coming up in July for the start of the CONCACAF Gold Cup. So we'll be back next week, and we will definitely dissect, analyze what happens this upcoming weekend. And then, obviously, preview the big, big game that should be circled on almost everyone's calendars, and that's the Sunshine Classico against arch-rival Orlando City. For Steve Brenner, I am Franco Panizo. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys again next week.